and verse 17. I'm going to be reading just a few verses of Scripture in your hearing today. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. The Bible says, as it is written, I have made thee father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And Abraham, the writing says, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God, through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. He staggered not at the promise of God, but he was strong in faith. Amen. I want to preach for a little while by the help of the Lord on this thought. Contending for the promise. Contending for the promise. Can you reach out towards heaven right now? Can you ask God to speak to you in this place? Oh God, we want you to move in this house. Hallelujah. Can you clap your hands to him? God, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for standing today. You may be seated. God's promise to Abraham was something that was something that Abraham had to fight his own fleshly mind over. As he, the Bible even says, as he considered as he began to think about how this promise can come to fruition, how in the deadness of, of his life, in the deadness of his wife Sarah's womb, and he begins to, I can see as Abraham takes in this promise from God, and he begins to, begins to conflict himself, uh, begins to mull it over, but he lets faith take the upper hand, and he allows faith to rise and say, you know what, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know that God is able, and what he promises he is able to perform. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know on what form or fashion, but I know if God promised it, it's going to happen. And I see as Abraham is making his way throughout the land, holding on to this promise, and we know the story as they get a little frustrated with the process of the promise coming to, uh, to fruition. And, and Sarah gets in the mix and she says, why don't you just go ahead and bypass the promise? And why don't we, why don't we go ahead and have a child with a, a handmaiden of mine? And, and we know that they, he, he had to fight for this promise in his life. 
I'm not saying that Abraham was perfect. No, he, he in times had made mistakes and, and tried to bypass the promise and had, had, had fought for this promise. But I can see as they sojourned through the land, holding on to this promise that one day God is going to fulfill what he promised. And uh, they come to a place where there is a ruler by the name of Abimelech that looks upon Abraham and Sarah. And I believe God was working. And I believe that God does work when we don't see it. I believe God is working behind closed doors when we don't know that he's working. And I believe God is is it a God that begins to work and move even though we cannot register with our fleshly eyes that it is happening. Amen. And I believe that things begin to take place in Sarah's life. Amen. This is just Brother Boggs, chapter 1, verse 1. But I believe there was a, a giving back of a youthful spirit to Sarah. I believe, uh, and I believe this because I've seen people that have given their lives to alcohol and drugs and they come into the church and they look 20 years older than what they should look and they shouldn't have the energy because uh, of their life given to this world. But how all of a sudden God gets a hold of them and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden they get their youth back and they get their energy back and they get their mind back and, and they're able to hold a job and they're able to create, have a family once again. And I believe, Sarah, that God was working day in and day out. And I believe day after day so subtly that maybe she couldn't see it or understand it. The wrinkles begin to soften as God was beginning to prepare her body, amen, to have a child and giving youth back to her. And we come to this place where the ruler Abimelech is looking upon them. And the Bible says Abimelech desired Sarah. Now, young men, if you had your pick of going to the youth lock-in to look for a wife or the old folks' home to look for a wife, no doubt you're going to choose the youth lock-in. I do not believe Abimelech looked to her and said, well, this is a woman that's old, dried up, that's, that's barren, that can never have children, but he saw something that God was doing in Sarah's life. Can I tell you that even if it's subtly, even if it's where you can't see it, God is still working. God is still moving on your behalf. God never stops fighting for us. God promised Israel deliverance from Egypt even though they were in bondage for 430 years until Moses steps on the scene, Aaron by his side and tells the people, I am that I am has sent me. Not only this, but then they have to watch as each plague is displayed before them. As the first plague, they're getting their hopes up. Hey, this plague's going to get us out of here. And, and Pharaoh hardens his heart, and, and God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And they're, they're pushed back another day. And I can see as they're contending, I, uh, Moses said we're going to be delivered, but I don't, I don't really know. And then you look back, even back to when Moses was a baby. God said, you're my seed. You're my chosen people. You're under the Abrahamic covenant. Your seed is going to number like the stars of the heaven. Then Pharaoh raises up and says, kill every child that's under two years old, every male. You can see as they're contending with this promise. Plague after plague, wondering, is this going to be the day that he sets us free? And finally, what God has promised, after 430 years and 10 plagues, the deliverance of Israel from Egypt takes place. Can I tell you today, what God promises, he will perform. 
God promised Israel the land of Canaan. And because of their murmuring and their unbelief and their uncontented attitude, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But God's promise is still, it still stands. And he walks, uh, they walk up to a place called Jericho. And there God's promise is fulfilled as they take the land of Canaan. God, God had promised through the prophets of the coming of Messiah. And you can see with every promise there is a there is a battle. There is a fight that has to take place. It gives a promise of a Messiah. And then 400 years of no prophet, no voice, no God speaking to the people. That contending, God promised us a Messiah. We don't see it. We don't know what God's doing. There's silence, but God promised it. And we're just going to keep on believing it. Jesus promised his disciples that he would never leave them nor forsake them. And then he goes and he dies upon a cross. You see as the disciples are having to battle with that promise. But he died on the cross and was buried in the tomb. But in three days he rose again. God promised that power would come at Jerusalem. Ten days after that Jesus was received up into glory, after spending 40 days with them, ten days later, finally, the Holy Ghost falls in the upper room. Can I tell you what God promised he will perform? In fact, this was a promise as Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. He said, this is that which was prophesied or promised by the prophet Joel about 500 to 700 years ago. That in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is something that holds value way back in the day. But can I tell you, if God promised it, God will perform it. If God says it, it will happen no matter the obstacle, no matter the giant that's in front of you. If God speaks it, it will happen. Can I tell you the way that he speaks is through a man of God and through your pastor and through those that would come through. Can I tell you if a man of God speaks in the house uh, and you hold on to that promise as long as you stay strong in faith, amen, you can see that promise happen because his promises are yea and amen. In other words, that amen means so be it. In other words, what God says, so be it. That's going to happen. You can take it to the bank. But at times we have a hard time believing what God says. You see, because we know our circumstance better than anybody else. We know that if a preacher says your child's going to come back and be filled back with the Holy Ghost and pray through, but you don't know my son and my daughter. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how they've said things against the church and against the man of God. How can this happen? We struggle trying to receive the promise because of our flesh. But can I tell you today, the Bible says we don't walk by faith. Or we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So when everything that you're looking at says it's not going to happen, you need to close your eyes and hold on to the hand of the Savior and just keep on walking in Jesus' name. This world will try to take your promise away. You can see on, the, on that day when they landed in the ark and there was a rainbow that was stretched across the sky and God said, look at this. This is my promise to man that the earth will never be destroyed with water again. But this world has taken its hands and grabbed a hold of that symbol, that promise, 
and they've changed it and they put it on the back of cars and they marched it down the streets of our cities and tried to distort and take away the promise that God has given us. Can I tell you, this world will try to rob you of your promise. This world will try to offer you. Oh, can I tell you, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to let something somebody take something without anything in return. That's what really, that's what robbery really is. If you're trading something, that's, that's trading, that's bartering. But when someone takes something without giving you something in return, and I believe the devil has offered you some things in return for your victory. And the devil's offered you offense for your victory. And the devil's offered you bitterness uh, for things that God wants to give you and has promised you. Amen. I've got, to, I've got to hold tight to the promise of God. Amen. In spite of what is going on. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. says, And Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. The man of God is speaking. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria? Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. We know the story as the four lepers go on the outside of the camp. So if we go into the city, there's a famine there. If we go discover ourselves to the camp of the Syrians, we shall but die. But they got up from where they were, and they walked into that camp. And we know the story as, as they found uh, everything as it was because the Lord had went before them. Amen. And, and made the hosts of the, of the Syrians hear a, a sound of a mighty host of, of horses and chariots and, and, and all these things of war. And they, they took everything they had and they, they fled the camp. So they come and they tell the porters of the city. So we came upon the camp of the Syrians. And behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man. But everything was tied and the tents were there. Verse 17 of that same chapter says, And the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned. The same man that listened to the preaching and said, there's no way, preacher. The same man that heard the promise of God and made a snide remark and staggered at the promise of God. I believe this man said this because he knew the situation and the circumstance and the financial place that the, that the kingdom was in. He was the, the Lord on which the king leaned. He saw the books. He knew the financial depravity that was going on. He knew, uh, he knew the people that were pulling up stakes and leaving town because they couldn't make it there any longer. He saw all of the things that were contrary to the promise that the man of God had given. And he said, I don't believe even if there are windows in heaven, this could happen. He appointed this same man to have charge of the gate. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died, as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. And it came to pass, as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel, and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows of heaven, might such a thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him. For the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died. 
This man's problem was he could not get his faith to line up with the promise. He couldn't get past what he saw in front of him. And because of this, he doubted the spoken word from God himself. He scoffed at that promise of God. Can I tell you, this promise was meant for him as well. It was meant for his family. It was meant to be a promise of provision and prosperity in his life. But it become, uh, because of his unbelief, it had become a promise uh, of never receiving and never seeing the good things of God that God was willing to give to him. There was a man from my home church that began to go behind my pastor's back and begin to say things, get people to turn against the man of God begin to sow dissension amongst the church. And my pastor let it go for many years. And finally, there came, when push came to shove, he just said, I know who you are. And if you don't get in this altar tonight and repent, then, then I ask you to go find another church to attend. And he made up his mind, I'm not going to go to the altar. I'm going to go to a different church or go follow after my, my desires. And so he left church. He left a wife and three kids. In the house of God, begin to begin to do things of the flesh that compromise their marriage. And before that all came out, he didn't go to church, but he heard that the week after he left, we had a whole family that came in, about four individuals, that the next week got filled with the Holy Ghost. The following week, in those two weeks, about ten people were added to our church. Can I tell you that he had heard the promises of revival over and over and over again, but he had discounted. He had taken himself. No doubt he drives past the freeway and sees different cars, new cars in our parking lot, but he doesn't get to partake of that promise that was promised to his life. I can't scoff at the promise of God. I've got to hold tight to his promise. Matthew chapter 13 verse 58 says, and I believe this is such a, a powerful Statement. It says, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The God that created the heavens, the stars, the sea, and all that therein is, the God, the almighty God, was able to be stayed from doing what he wanted to do because of the people's unbelief. I believe that God walked into that place, manifest in flesh, and was willing and planning to do mighty works, but because of their unbelief. It's astounding to me that I can keep uh, the promise of God from being fulfilled in my life because of my unbelief. Mark chapter 9, verse 21 says, And he asked his father, Jesus speaking to a man, that brings a child that is vexed with the Spirit, How long? Is it a ghost since this came upon him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He approached Jesus in the right way. Hey, if you've got a problem tonight, you just got to come to the Savior and say, God, will you help us? God, will you have compassion on me? God, will you help me in my circumstance? And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, 
Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was one as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted up, and he arose. That father looked at Jesus, who had just said, Whatever you need in life, you just have to believe. All things are possible to him that believed, but you don't understand my circumstance. All things are possible, but you don't know what I'm going through. All things are possible, but you don't know about my financial struggles. All things are possible. You don't know about my children that are backslid. All things are possible to him that believeth. And I believe that man looked at Jesus, and I believe those tears began to come out on his face because he because he began to fight, and he said, you know what? I believe in this moment when I'm in the presence of God and God is speaking to me. I believe, and in the midst of a service like this, sometimes when faith begins to rise, it's easy to believe. But I believe that man was looking forward in time and saying, what if God doesn't heal him today? What am I going to do? And he cried out and said, but help thou my unbelief. Because if you don't do it right now, if it's not going to be till next year, God help me to believe. Because I know on Monday morning, after the Sunday night shouts over, and after Tuesday service is over, I know that doubt's going to creep in. I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to hold on to the promise. Help me believe even when things around me say it won't happen. I have a friend that I grew up in a neighboring church, got to know him as young adults. He was a little bit older than I am, about 10 years older, and him and his wife were trying and attempting to and wanting and desiring a child. And they would begin to pray and ask God for a child. And because of some medical conditions and some things that she had in her body, the doctor said, you might as well just count it out. You're never going to have children. You might want to look at adoption as a course to have a child. They went to a conference, and they were standing in that local church's assembly. And the pastor, after the preacher had already preached, and after the altar call was beginning to wrap up, the pastor of that local church walks up on the platform, and they could see that he was struggling with with what he was feeling, and he he just said, "I don't I don't know." why I feel to say this. He said, but I feel like telling somebody that your baby's on the way. And they began to cry. No doubt in that moment, faith just went through the roof and they began to pray and they began to cry. The family gathered around them. They knew what they had been praying for and they, they grabbed on to that. And the months began to tick past. And the days began to tick past. And about a year goes by and no baby. The husband, hearing another message of faith, just grabs a hold of that promise once again. He says, God, you promised me a child. In fact, I know that you promised me and you've heard our prayers. And, and you know that I want a little girl. So do you know what, God? I'm going to put you to the test and I'm going to have faith. And every Friday after he got his paycheck, Brother Bradford, he went by a store. And he bought a little girl's outfit. And he took it home. For several months, they went ahead and painted the room pink. And got it ready for a little girl. 
And they had a closet full of little girl's outfits ready for that little girl to show up. And they go to the doctor. And wouldn't you know, he said, you're pregnant. You're pregnant, but I don't know, I don't know how this pregnancy is going to go. And their doubt began to creep in again. They just kept on having faith. They just kept on believing. And there's a little girl about seven years old by the name of Ava that is alive today because there were some parents that said we're not going to let doubt overcome the promise that God has given us. We're going to keep on having faith. Joseph fought for his promise. Even with his loved ones despising and turning on him. After being sold into slavery, after false accusation, after everything that looked like it was competing and coming against that promise. But God was just taking him and setting him up for that promise to be fulfilled. Sometimes the way to get to the promise is not easy. It's not comfortable. It's sometimes a hard path. It's sometimes a a deep valley that you have to go through. Sometimes it feels like midnight. You don't have anything to praise God for. And you don't have anything that looks like it's going to happen like God had promised you. But can I tell you, there's a revelation in midnight. Because midnight is the dawning of a new day. Can I tell you, no matter how long you've been fighting for your promise, there's a new day coming. There's a a midnight that's about to roll over into the next morning. At 12 o'clock, at 12.01, you're in the new day in a new place in God. God knows he's got it figured out. And it's up to me not to have any doubt. God gets it. He's got a perfect plan. And it's up to me to leave all in his hand. God has this one. He's got it performed. But it's up to me to be transformed. God's got this. He knows my future. And it's up to me not to take a detour. God knows my times are in his hands and it's up to me just to do what he commands. Could I tell you, if you're ever going to see the promise, it's going to be through obedience. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. We normally begin to read this scripture at the opening, but can I, can I jump ahead in this scripture? It says... Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And that sounds so good. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like a promise from God that we would all desire and want. But it's all predicated on a two-letter word, if. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Hey, can I tell you, you play a part in your promise being fulfilled. You play a part in your promise coming to life in your world. The Bible says God spoke things that are not as though they were. And God speaks to us. And speaks things into our life as though they were. So we must believe things that are not as though they were. 
We've got to let our faith line up with his promise. Can I tell you one promise that I'm talking about tonight? Is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. That says you must repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. He was making sure everybody understood and know that, hey, it's not just for me, but there's those, your children. It's to those that are far off. It's even to those that God shall call. In other words, he was not leaving anybody out of the promise. This promise is unto you. But the world will try to tell you, well, you don't have to have the Holy Ghost to make it to heaven. You don't, you just got to shake the preacher's hand and sign the, sign the church roll. You don't, have to, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. The names of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are just fine in the world. And the enemy will try their best to keep you from gaining a promise that God has given you. Can I tell you, you got to fight for it. You've got to contend for that promise. Don't let the devil rob you of a promise uh, before you ever get to experience it. Don't let the enemy try to get you uh, messed up and mixed up to where you never see what God has for your life. Hell tries to keep you from that promise because he tells you, oh, it's because of your mistakes. He tries to disqualify you from receiving the promise. Don't disqualify yourself. God hasn't given up on you. The Bible said in the next scripture, he said this promise is unto you, to your children. And then he says, save yourselves. How do I save myself? By receiving the promise. By fighting until I get to the promise. Hey, can I tell you, if I had a gift that showed up on my birthday, that had my name on it, that my parents as a child had promised me, we're going to get this for your birthday. And I were to wake up on that morning of my birthday and saw my brother, that's only a year and a half older than me, tearing into my, into my present, into my gift. Guess what? There would be some contending. There would be some, uh, there wouldn't be greeting your brother with a holy kiss. It would be greeting your brother with a holy knockout. I'd be a little upset if somebody was trying to take something that was promised to me and gifted to me. Hey, you need to get a little upset at the devil and start contending and say, devil, I'm not going to let you take away something that belongs to me, that's been promised to me. No, no, no. If, if anyone's going to have it, it's going to be me. I'm going to fight. I'm going to save myself from this untoward generation. Jesus looked at the lame man that had a withered arm. He said, stretch forth. Your hand. But you don't know what I'm going through. Jesus, you don't know the problems that I have in my life. I can't stretch forth my hand. I can't believe. I can't believe that God has promised this and it's going to happen. But the Bible says he stretched forth his hand as the other. Why is this so important? He started acting like he had the full strength just like his other hand. 
Can I tell you, when you're going through the battle and you're contending for the faith, maybe your hand is withered, but you need to try to stretch it out. Maybe your life is broken, but you need to lift your hands and start praising God like God has healed you. He stretched forth his hand as the other. He was showing God, hey, I'm going to stretch forth my hand even though it's lame, just like this one. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do when that promise comes. I believe people that don't worship in the house of God are going to get uncomfortable in heaven. Hey, God, I know I'm going through problems. I know I'm going through circumstance, but I'm willing to shout here. Why? Because I'm letting you know when I get to heaven, I'm going to be doing this same thing. I'm going to be shouting around the gates of glory. You've got to contend for your promise. Don't be weary and well-doing. And I have the singers come tonight. Don't be weary and well-doing for in due season. For in due season, ye shall reap. If ye faint not. The Bible talks before that about sowing to the flesh, shall reap of the flesh, reap cor- shall reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit gain or reap everlasting life. I can't grow weary of sowing to my promise and giving to my promise. Every time I run the aisles, I'm just, I'm just putting more of a fight into gaining my promise. Every time I dance when I don't see my answer, I'm just putting a little bit more into fighting for my promise. I've got to keep on believing. I believe people talk themselves out of their miracle. They hear a message that is promised of healing and they come up that one service, Brother Brad, further there, they have faith and tears are streaming down their, their face and they're believing. But the next morning, they wake up with the same sickness and say, Well, you know, Wednesday night or Tuesday night, I'll try it again. I'll go, I'll go have prayer. Next day, still sick. And they give it a week or two. And pretty soon, if they don't see results when they feel like they should, they stop coming to the front. And they stop asking for prayer. Honey, you got to fight for your promise. Help thou my unbelief. Even when I don't see it, can I tell you today, his promise still stands. He hasn't remitted on his promise. His promises are yea and amen. His promise to you still stands. If he's promised you healing, it still stands. If he's promised you deliverance, it still stands. If he's promised you the Holy Ghost today, it still stands. But I got to contend for the promise. What if I don't see it tonight, Brother Box? And you come in on Sunday morning and you fight once again. What if I don't see it on Sunday morning? You come in Sunday night and you shout and you dance like it's happening. What if I don't see it then? What if I don't see it till next month? Then you just keep on believing. You keep on coming into service saying, this could be the service. This could be the message. This could be the moment that my promise is fulfilled. His promise still stands. Now, will you let your faith line up with his promise? Some of you have talked yourself out of what God has promised you. But you need to bring back to remembrance that thing that God has spoke to you. You know what it is for you. You know that one message 
that one that one statement that was made by a preacher that didn't even know your circumstance and you knew because of how he said it and what he said that promise was directed to you but throughout the course of time you've laid that promise down but it's time like Joseph you've got to pick your promise up again you've got to dream again You've got to believe again. God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to see this. I, I don't know when I'm going to see this. God, I don't see a way. Can I tell you, we serve a God that makes a way where there seemeth to be no way. I wonder if there's some people tonight that are ready to grab a hold of your promise. I wonder if there's someone tonight that's ready to receive the Holy Ghost. I wonder if there's someone tonight that's ready to fight for your promise, that's ready to stay in this altar until God does something, until God, you get God's attention. I wonder if they begin to sing and play if we can make our way to this altar. Can we lift our hands in faith? Can you call on the name that's higher than any other name? Can you call on the name of Jesus? Oh, come on, can you come in faith believing? Can you come in faith believing? Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. This promise still stands. Come on, don't talk yourself out of receiving God's I'll promise for your life. This is my God. I don't want to leave this service without getting what you promised me. me. Your promise still stands. Great is your
Oh, hallelujah! 